Welcome to the United States of Soccer. This is the number one soccer podcast that covers everything from the Premier League, the Major League Soccer, and the United Soccer League. My name is Michael Willis at Carefree Willis on Twitter. I'm coming at you solo today because the other two boys got plans. Brian is out celebrating uh, his lovely wife's birthday. So happy birthday to Alicia. And Alex, well, producer Alex is, I'm not really sure what he's doing. I think he's recovering from a glorious afternoon out with me and another friend of ours. Uh, so go give Alex some love at producer Alex 23 on Twitter and Instagram. Without him, None of what you hear it happens. So go give Alex some love. Appreciate you, Alex. What we got for you today, though, on this glorious, I think it's going to be rainy here in Richmond, uh, Tuesday, July 25th, we have Galley from the American Scouser Show. This is a Liverpool-based podcast and show on YouTube and all your podcasting platforms. Uh, this was such an awesome conversation. So if you're a Liverpool fan, stay tuned. If you're, if you're a Premier League fan, stay tuned because... Well, I love I truly love this conversation. I haven't I haven't I've not said this to him yet, but the conversation with Galley, it was based around Liverpool, but we covered a lot in this in this conversation and his the knowledge this guy has of the rest of the league is absolutely it's 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 awesome, man. And it was such a it's such a good conversation. Go check them out. I, I tune in every single Monday to their YouTube show. Um, it's a lot of fun. I think they drop on Fridays as well. I don't get to make that one, but that Monday show is awesome. I enjoy listening to their podcast every week, keeping up with what Liverpool's got going on. Go give these guys a follow. I'll drop their um their handles in the middle of the show when I'm talking to Galley. But go check these guys out, man. This is this was such a fun conversation. If you enjoyed this, we've dropped a bunch of stuff like this recently. Go give our show a follow at US of Soccer Show on Twitter. And Instagram. Go find us on all your podcasting platforms as well. Leave, Give us a like and leave us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. And without further ado, enjoy this conversation about Liverpool Football Club with Galley from the American Scouser. All right. I am joined solo, by the way. Brian and Alex uh, could not make it here today. So I am joined by Galley from the American Scouser podcast. First off, man, Appreciate you big time for coming on. This is going to be an awesome conversation. A lot going on with Liverpool right now, dude. There is a lot going on with Liverpool, and uh, we're excited to be here. So thank you for the invitation, um, and can't wait to get going. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. You can find these guys on YouTube, www.youtube.com forward slash at American Scouser. You can also go on Twitter at Scousers US, and then go to all your podcasting platforms, type in American Scouser. They got a really good show, man. I've been paying attention to that for the past couple of weeks. We wanted to um kind of start inviting other random teams uh you know podcasters from other teams onto the show uh because brian alex and i have a chelsea fan brian a liverpool fan alex a city fan the worst three teams that anybody you know a lot of the bandwagon ish teams that you a lot of people would say but uh, we wanted to get other people on uh get their views on what's going on with their team and liverpool man is a uh wild wild time right now started off the season draw i thought i i had liverpool win the league last year by the way i looked at my uh my uh, uh notes for the preview for last season i had liverpool winning the whole damn thing uh draw at fulham paulinia kind of introduced himself into that game so good on fulham but a draw at fulham started off a weird series season for liverpool then they are out of the cup competitions f- fairly early for liverpool i mean i feel they've been they've been making some deep runs lately and then in embarrassing stuff in the champions league but also at the same time beat the absolute shit out of man united which was awesome so it's a weird season for liverpool man what are your thoughts on the year going by yeah so it, it, thank you for asking it was a weird season um you know i'd say that maybe the only match that i didn't get to watch in its entirety was 
actually the Fulham match to start last season because really? I was traveling back from vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was brutal because I was stuck in Key West Airport, which you think wouldn't be brutal, except for it was August and I was in, in Key West. <laughs> yeah, so that right. was brutal itself. Yeah. Um, but the match was just terrible. They really deserved nothing out of it. Stealing a point is what I said. You get a promoted side, they're always going to show up. But for the how poorly they played, how good they made a young Fulham team that wasn't even really ready yet. So it was, it was disappointing overall. The season is an absolute disappointment. I think we'll get to more of that through this conversation and why this summer was so important, but just a really big disappointment on our end. I too had them winning the league. So, uh, it's basically my fault, Michael, yeah. that you picked the same side <laughs> as me because I haven't picked a winner in 10 years. Oh, City man. wins every year. So I think you know where I feel on City. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you and me are actually probably rowing that same boat together. Uh, very upset about that whole thing. And I, my team probably started that whole ridiculousness that City's doing right now. So uh, middle of the season for you guys, though, as an outsider, complete outsider, I came into Chelsea uh, about 14, 15 years ago. And at that time, Liverpool and Chelsea were – very much at the top of the table, duking it out. Liverpool is actually my most disliked team, hilariously, because that's what I kind of grew up with. As the years went on, you know, Chelsea were higher up than Liverpool, and then it pretty much just slipped. Like, I mean, it switched completely. Liverpool started doing really well, and Chelsea kind of a part of the top four, but not points many points away from where Liverpool and City were dogging it out at the top. I, from an outsider looking in last year, man, I, I saw a lot of guys from the Liverpool front office heading out. Klopp doing his clop, you know, thing in the, in the press conferences, being pissed. I felt like the guy possibly could go. Did you feel that way as a fan? Or do you, are you concerned at all with the way that things were going, that he was going to leave? So it looks like he's locked in now, but any, yeah, any thoughts I, on that? So we talked about it a lot on the pod. Um, we had mixed opinions. I am more, I'm a little bit more of the sports critic. Um, I look at sports and watch sports all my life since I was a little dude, like I was covering them, which is why I sought out getting on a podcast like this. Yeah. Um, always wanted to be in the media, always wanted to be a personality, basically always wanted everyone to disagree with me. Cause that's when you're good at it. Yeah. Um, from Boston, so you're probably doing a good job over there so far. Yeah, well, most people hate us. I will get it across everyone here just so they know I'm from Massachusetts. Love it. But in case you like American football, I do not like the Patriots, so you don't need to hate me unless you're from Philadelphia and then you basically hate everything. <laughs> so um, the the big thing with Klopp was, was I felt like he lost his way a little bit because as times got tough, he got a little tougher, and he got tough with his with the media. He got tough with management a little bit yet he never took any ownership himself which always bothered me i have raised my hand for a long time and said if he's your manager you will wrap your arms around him and love him if he is anyone else's manager like if he was if he had ended up at arsenal i would hate the teeth i would hate the grin and i'd call him the fraud that all the other supporters in the league do part of that would mostly be jealousy right for sure um because he's such a great man manager but i do feel like he started to lose the way there were parts last year i got nervous that he was getting tired Um, but I knew he wasn't going to walk away from this club. And I also knew these owners weren't going to fire him because God knows these owners struggle worldwide (laughs) with what the Liverpool supporters feel of them and getting rid of the best manager in 50 years at the club probably wouldn't have been the best look. Um, but this is a big, big season and we'll get to it a little later when we talk about transfers, but I feel he played a bigger role last year and probably didn't take enough shtick 
for why we didn't strengthen last year. And the owners are always taking that stick. So it'll be interesting. This is a huge, huge season for him. It's a, you know what, you know what's weird on a side note. It's a, it's a massive year coming up for a lot of people. You know, city's the only one that doesn't really have much pressure on their shoulders, winning the trouble good on them. Absolutely hated it. Hated every second of it. Uh, but I mean, it's, everybody else has a, has a great deal of, uh, of weight on the shoulders for, for matching up to last year. I mean, if, 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 Liverpool don't do better. It'll look at like something's going on. You look at Brighton, Fulham teams that that punched well above their weight. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be such a fun season next season. I, I truly cannot wait. And I thought I, I thought I was I was ready for Chelsea season to end. And then in like two weeks later, I was like, damn man, I'm fucking bored out of my mind. Anyway, you talk, yeah, you talked about transfers there. Dominic Shabajlai. I hope I'm hitting that correctly. Probably not. You know, if I'm butchering his name, apologies for that one. But uh, he comes in from RB Leipzig. What is your the hype has to be real, right? I mean, this kid's been talked about for a little while coming from that um, you know, Austrian league or whatever he came from a couple of years ago, but you gotta be excited about this kid, right? Yeah, we're absolutely, you know, we're knackered with this one. We're really pumped up. Um, came out of nowhere. We had done a morning coffee show that we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, Tamuchin, one of the hosts, he he runs it. And I'll give them credit. They had said that morning. I feel like the midfielder we get will be a name we haven't even talked about yet. It won't be Thurum. It won't be Kone. It won't be, you know, jumping in to steal Declan Rice or anything like that. It'll be a guy out of nowhere. And if it's X, Y, and Z, and he was one of the names they threw out there. Um, I'm sure they mispronounced it too. So no, no offense and yeah. no worries. I'm going to go with big Dom, I think, because I think I can get that, that right every time I say Love it. That. Um, pretty much just because I am American and I give people nicknames that they don't want, appreciate, yeah, or can. like. Yep. Which is how you end up with a name like Galley. That's right. Um, <laughs> but I, I love the acquisition. I love the player's skill sets. Um, can't lie. Don't watch a ton of the Bundesliga. Saw him when he played for SC Salzburg against us. Um, he played really, really well. People forget that day because Takimi or Minamino played better than Erling Holland. Then we went out and bought him in January and let Holland go to Borussia Dortmund. Probably not the best move on Liverpool's part. Yeah. Um, but social ball was really, really good that day. And he loved Anfield. I think it stuck with him. The first chance he had a chance, he made this happen, uh, which is what I think is great. And, you know, good on the owners for identifying a player Klopp wanted, it, but more importantly, one who fits the bill, his pressing stats in Germany last year were number one, almost in the entire league. So if a guy can not only get the ball back, find a long pass and find a final pass in the final third, it's basically why we signed Tiago and what hasn't worked. So I'm hoping this transfer out of the Bundesliga will actually be one that really moves the needle forward. I loved Tiago. I, I when he was at when he was over in Germany, I loved this guy, and I was I, that was one of the ones Tiago and Fabinho. When you guys got Fabinho, I, that was one that like at that time, sorry, was the Chelsea head coach, and I was desperate for Fabinho. We got Jorginho instead. I don't know. We had a conversation for another day. But we got we got Jorginho instead. I loved Fabinho at that time. Weird season for him. We'll get into that in a minute. But uh, it's it's not not uh, not really worked out for Tiago the way that we thought it would over in uh, over in Liverpool. It's weird with Dom though because I I I I figured that Dom's coming in. You got McAllister as well. I really like that signing. He's he's one of those that could. Uh, he's the ten that you guys needed, right? I mean, he's that guy to sit behind that new striker that you've got that striking core that you have. Sorry, uh, and he's he's definitely going to be a big part of this team. Sabajlai though, I thought he was coming in to eventually replace Jordan Henderson's minutes. Looking like Henderson has been flirting somewhat with the Saudi league that is got more money than I'll ever see, probably good on him. But how, how is 
couple questions here to unpack. Number one yeah. is, is, is Hendo, is, is this it for him? If it is, what is this guy's legacy in Liverpool? And then how is the, is, is the fan base pissed that this guy's going? All right. So I'm going to start first with the last question you asked, because I think it's the easiest to unpack. Yes. The short answer, they're upset. Now there are some that say good on you. First of all, he has been a player that splits the Liverpool supporters groups like no other player, honestly. I No one ever could tell me that a guy could win as much, play as big a role in all the winning. And I don't care what anyone says. He played a role in every piece. He was the metronome of the midfield. People talk about Wijnaldum, Fabinho, and him being that kind of quintessential on our, on our real plight back to the top. And for me, Henderson got no credit for it because it was all Genie. It was all Fab. And ultimately, the one constant was Jordan Henderson in every midfield we've ever had. That said, um, this is a real bad look for a man who has put himself bigger than the club. Someone who's been an advocate for human rights and for the LGBTQ plus community in England. Um, fighting Liverpool supporters. If you don't root for me wearing the rainbow armband, root for someone else. These are words out of his mouth. Yep. Now. I've never been offered seven times my income <laughs> without taxes um, at a ripe old age. Yeah. But to your first point about closing up shop or, or what Dom was bought for, I actually think he was bought to be the starter on the right-hand side for this upcoming season. I don't think he would have started the first match against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. I don't. Mm. But I do think by like November, he'd be an everyday starter. I think the reason Jordan Henderson is considering this is because he had a heart-to-heart conversation with Klopp where Klopp let him know, you are literally now James Milner in this side. You are the fifth, sixth, seventh option. And if Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott kick on and other, and we buy others, you may even be further down than that. And I, I just think that's a hard place to go. And then you get Steven Gerrard gets in his ear telling him about what his last year there under Rodgers and being benched in a Champions League match at Real Madrid and how – there's opportunities out there to still play and make an impact. And I think Jordan Henderson in his mind said, that's a lot of money and I'll do good things in that country. Mm. Not thinking about what damage he might be doing on his way out of his native land. Man, that's, that's, that's such a, that's such good insight right there. It really is. Cause I, I knew Jordan was big. I remember the videos that went around when he was fighting the you know, actual Liverpool fans about wearing that rainbow armband. I didn't, I, you know, I never even thought about the whole going over there and how interesting that would be. It's it to your point though. I, I, I always jump in on this kind of stuff. That's a lot of money. I mean, that is generational wealth and it's, you know, if, if Klopp did your spot on, if Klopp came to him and said, Hey man, you are going to be bottom of the barrel come middle of the season and, and on. That's a tough, it's probably a tough pill to swallow there. I, I remember, I remember the days, right? Again, I, this is all from a, a, a Liverpool hatred side for me, but I remember Fair. the days when, when Mignolet was in goal and we had Jordan Henderson starting every game. And that was pretty much the best guy on the team. And I, I used to say all the time, man, this Hendo guy stinks. And then you guys got Wijnaldum from Newcastle. And you guys really started to go. And it wasn't until I really started watching Liverpool. I was like, actually, Henderson's damn good. Like, this guy is – what a turnaround that this guy has had to his career, especially in that city where I feel like a lot of people hated him at the beginning. But it's it's a, such a crazy way that, that that could possibly end. His his midfield partner, Fabinho, also linked out. I don't know – because you guys had such a bad season. Are you ready to – couple again, a couple questions here. Are you ready to cash in on this guy and get that money that – 
nobody else is paying for Fabinho probably, or is this like, are you worried that you guys go buy another six pretty much? I mean, I'm always worried when we sell a player without a built-in replacement, either in the squad or already like in the hopper, ready to roll. That being said, Fabinho, everyone talks about last year and Fabinho's decline and it was rapid. And so, and, and then people will say, well, was Van Dyke's decline because of Fabinho or did Fabinho had a harder job because Van Dyke wasn't a Rolls Royce behind him. And you know, it's a chicken and the egg, right? You can look at it in a lot of ways. What people don't like to talk about is Fabinho was shite from basically February, the season before mm-hmm. when we were going for the treble and we may, or for the quadruple, and we may have actually seen the league title one had Fabinho even been a quarter of himself. Um, it wasn't until the Champions League final he even looked remotely like himself. And even that, he was still a step slow. You know, he loses the runner that allows Vinny Jr. to run to the back post and score the game winner. Now, granted, I mean, Thibaut Cortot stood on his head. Yeah. Don't have to tell a Chelsea supporter the I, value I, I, and the anger yeah. that is having Thibaut Cortot in your yeah. side. Yeah. Um, probably one of my least liked players ever. And it's purely because he looks like his own teammates hate him. (laughs) Like, I think he hates himself. He (laughs) hates football. Um, But I think Fab was on his way out. So to your point, I think he's gone. Actually, from what I'm reading today, the deal is basically done at this point. And they're going to recoup what they paid for him. And they won the lot. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to make that deal because God knows if he has another bad year and it declines again for another 12 months, you're not even getting 10 million next summer. And to get 40 for a guy with two years left on his deal over the age of 30, I think it's brilliant business. And if there's one thing I'm super critical of our transfer business, it's been that we don't sell players. I've always credited both city and Chelsea as clubs who love to spend, but love to sell. Uh, And they sell players for profit and they reinvest. Liverpool looks at it differently and lets older players run their contracts down which has been a real kind of something stuck in my craw. So for me, as sad as it is and nerve wracking on July 16th, I don't even think it's an option. I think as soon as a bid was made, it was best of luck, son. Yeah, I don't. That's that. That's super interesting. I don't. I'm right there with you. I think it's time. You know, wouldn't be upset to cash in, but you have to have that. You have to have a replacement ready to go. You don't think Harvey or. Curtis can take that spot from Fabinho, right? They don't play either one of those roles, right? Yeah, neither. Yeah. I don't think there's a built-in replacement in the side. I think the player that you would put in there as a stopgap would be Jordan Henderson if he mm. didn't have to play every day. Um, the Bashatich kid showed great flashes last year, and that's a player. I mean, that's a 19-year-old kid that they stole from Portugal for 600000 Young, though. Um, but young and coming off an injury. And an abductor injury is the type of one that doesn't heal over a summer. Mm -hmm. So I would hate to see him playing a lot of minutes. You know, uh, Tyler Morton's just not there. And I don't even know if he's really a six. When he went out on loan, he played better as an eight. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know that there's a makeshift replacement in the side. Unless you can sign a player maybe more positioned to play in the double pivot. And you start to play Trent in that role. But the last thing you want to do is ask Trent to defend in the midfield. The guy can't defend on the right. <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. Spot on there. Are you worried at all that like I felt that the you know Klopp was such a massive you know part of this Liverpool you know re- rebuild or whatever you want to call it. But Klopp was such a massive part of that. But I think the uh, the culture he built it, it it from again from outside. You correct me if I'm wrong. It looked like James Milner and Jordan Henderson were massive parts of that culture reset. There is there any concern of losing both of these guys in the same summer that the culture might go? Mane left last year. The only one you have, you know, again, 
Um, Firmino's gone as well. Uh, the only one you have left from that 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 beginning of the Liverpool rebuild is is Salah. Is there any concern of that culture kind of dying away? Or are you confident with the guys you got right now? Uh, you know, it's a great question. I know my uh, co-host on the Monday podcast, Timuchin, who has been one of the stalwarts of the site uh, since 2018 when we built it out. He he's really worried about the leadership aspect of it. At times, I feel like leadership can be slightly overrated if you have leaders within your side. Um, you know, what people don't talk about is, is Allison has captain Brazil. Virgil van Dyke is the Netherlands captain. Sochabal is the Hungary captain and mm-hmm. Andy Robertson is the Scottish captain. Five of those, four of those guys qualified for the last world cup. And one of them being Andy Robertson yeah, yeah, exactly. at Scotland. So exactly. I do think there's leaders in the team. Salah is Egypt's captain at times, but I mean, I've never heard him say a word, so I don't know how you can be a captain <laughs> when you're mute. Yeah. Um, and I do think there's built in leadership there. What I fear is, is that there'll be too many voices at the beginning. And I do think someone needs to step in and be that calming voice. Personally, I think I'm in the minority. I do not want it to be Virgil van Dyke. I would actually prefer to see Andy Robertson given the armband. Um, Even though he's the guy that winds people up and gets under skin and maybe has to change that a little bit. I just feel like personally van Dyke, when van Dyke's job is to run the defense he focuses on the defense and it seems organized at times last year. I felt he was asked and he was trying to lead the whole pitch. And I feel like he almost lost his way with the defenders. Um, I'm never a big fan of the keeper being a captain. So I do think right now the best actual player in his position, world-class player is Allison. Like he For might sure. be the best sure. at his position in the world. Um, and he's right up there. So any one of those will work for me. The one thing I don't want is too much pressure on Trent. It'll be his job eventually, but let's wait until he earns it. Don't just anoint him. Yeah, spot on, man. Spot on. That's an interesting one about Van Dyke, man. I, that that you feel like he kind of, you know, stepped away from the the defending role to try to do too much. I don't, that that might sound to some people like a knock. I don't take that as a knock at all. That's that might be spot on. You are elite at this thing. Stay here, stay in your lane, get it done. Who's off 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 topic from all of that? Is Kanate the answer to his uh, his, uh to his partnership back there? Or are we looking for somebody else? I believe Kanate is the long-term future of the defense at this moment. If you ask me right now to rank our defenders actually over the last 12 months, I would put a healthy Kanate as one, Virgil van Dijk two, and then probably Gomez and Matip fighting um, for three and four. And, you know, Nat Phillips is just really good putting his head on something. And he should be putting his head on a trip to Leeds. Like he should be figuring (laughs) out what bus gets him to Leeds. That's right. Um, in the championship because it's where he belongs. He's yeah. a good guy, good player, good servant. Yeah. Um, needs to go. They need a left-sided, left-footed defensive long-term replacement for Van Dyke. But the other thing is, is Kanate has to prove that he can stay healthy on the right-hand side. Because if there's any issue with Kanate, and you can't have an issue on a thirty-six million dollar midfielder who is a mountain of a man with those skills. And he's the reason that Trent can push forward because he has the pace to cover for him when that space is opened up. But he has to figure out a way to curtail these injuries and mm-hmm. you got to play more because that center back position at his age, he should be playing week in, week out. So I think he's a long term, but I think they need to find Virgil van Dyke's long term replacement. And you don't want to hear this, but the best one in England might be a young left footed center back that plays at your club in those pretty blue uniforms you have. Uh- 
I'll tell I'll tell you what if if uh, I see a lot of this right now right a lot of this whole I'm not I'm not one of these guys that's bothered about Mount leaving I mean it is what it is I I'm I am I am so confident that we will keep Levi Colwell I will purse if we sell him to Liverpool I will get on the first flight to Boston I will take you and anyone you want out on my tap you lock this it. in lock this in right now oh, I'm locking it in. I, just, <laughs> I can't I hundred percent though I mean at the, it is a concern that I have for sure I love this Levi Colwell kid got his Huddersfield jersey sitting over there don't ever wear it but it's sitting over there in case we have it you know it might me might make some money one day but I love this guy man he is an absolute dog I think hundred percent Anybody would want this kid. He, he's definitely going to be one that everybody's going to be talking about, and I think that could be a, a big-time replacement for, for Virgil van Dijk. What you said about Konate, though, man, I think that's spot on. I watched this Liverpool team when Konate's healthy. He is so underrated, man. I had no idea who this kid was coming into Liverpool for the past couple of years. I think and he, he does get hurt quite a bit, and he's not there. I thought Joe Gomes was going to be the guy for a while, a long too. time ago. I thought he was going to be it. I was. I really wanted – there was a time I think Chelsea were linked to him just a little bit, like softly, but I was like, get it, go get him. I uh, I love this Konate kid. He's, he is actually really, really good. On You, you brought up Mo Salah, though, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of switch over to him real quick. This, this whole Saudi thing going on that, you know, they're buying everybody – Getting a marquee guy. I know they got a couple, but if they get a guy who is an Arabic man, Mo Salah yep. is uh, – this guy could be uh, – he could make $2 million a week over there. I mean, I mean, absurd money that we've never seen before. Any concern that this guy – is it – again, because there's so much going on with Liverpool. Is this a is, – is, is, is Mo Salah – is his time – not done, but is it? Would you be upset if you sold them? Because we'll get to you, the rest of your attack here in a little bit. But this is probably not the right time to sell them. Number one, if he does go, is this? Is it you understanding of the fact? Hey, it's got to be Saudi. Or it's got to be like Barcelona or something like that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I, I love the question. Um, last year we had lots of discussions. Obviously, throughout the summer, will he walk? Will we go into his walk year? Would you sell him if you had to? Um, it was great that they re-signed him. I always felt that the deal they re-signed him to for the money they gave him for only three years smelt like he would be sold one of the two summers that they had an opportunity to recoup a fee. I'll be honest with you. I was nervous it would be this summer and that like a PSG would come in. Now, I had no idea that the Saudi league was going to explode and they were going to start getting guys like Benzema and Bernardo Silva and young players and three quarters of the players you don't want at Chelsea to come to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> That's right. Um, I, I figured, I mean, when I heard that an American bought Chelsea, I was like, wow. And then he sold the whole team to Saudi Arabia. That's right. Um, That's <laughs> but I, I really look at it and I think to myself next summer, right? I could see either PSG coming in with a huge offer and Mo being like, hey, that's a lighter league, easier to play in. I can continue to score goals in Europe. Or I can cash in on some of that generational money. I've won everything in England. I proved I'm a world-class star even after my failed time at Chelsea. I proved that I could win in every league, including the Champions League. And, I mean, when you look at Mo Salah's stats at Liverpool – it's amazing that people still talk about like the best players in the Premier League and mention Holland and Kane and De Bruyne. And they mention like all these players, like, and guys will even start talking about like, and then there's the young players here and Raheem Sterling. And you're like, somehow they leave Mo Salah out of it. Like it's all a facade because it all worked because Liverpool feeds him. The guy does everything. And in a terrible year still had 30 goal involvement. Like, and he was poor for half mm-hmm. the year. 
Mm-hmm. And it, I just, it makes me, it's comical. I don't know it if is. there's ever been a more consistent Premier League goal scorer that's not gotten the credit he deserves. But let's be honest, I'm a Liverpool supporter, so I'll say it's because the country hates Liverpool, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you're a Chelsea supporter, Probably. you'd say you guys all freaking whine and cry all the time. So I get it. So like, I totally get it. The, uh, I'm not t- worried about Saudi now. Next yeah. summer, I want the $100 million, But this is the thing. <laughs> he doesn't go for $40 million No. Because you're going to make $500 million off him. For if sure. If I'm Liverpool, I'm demanding, I'm demanding a bigger fee than I would get from PSG. That's the very hundred. That's the very next question. That if he does go, whenever he goes, that is a time for Liverpool to say you're going to pay up because if he's going to the Saudi league, you're going to have you you are going to make money off of this guy. So you're going to give me some of that. Um, hilariously, a little side note here. I uh, long time ago, long time ago, very young Michael Willis tweeted out that when Mo Salah got sold to Fiorentina, I said no worries, Victor Moses will take his spot. We're not bothered. And man, there was a year where Victor Moses was good, but. Could not have been more wrong about most. I love you know. I love those types of comments because I I am that guy. Like yeah. I once uttered a barroom argument, and I'll say this honestly: yeah. I went deep with some Patriots fans in like '03. I'm not kidding; they quote me on it to this day. <laughs> and I basically told them that they would rue the day that they let Drew Bledsoe <laughs> go to Buffalo because he built the goddamn stadium. Tom yeah. Brady found a way to win it. Yeah, About was... a decade later, I finally came off my fence and realized, <laughs> well, I guess that guy's the greatest thing that's ever played this stupid sport. Damn, so I better go watch something else because I know shit about this one. That's, that is so damn funny. Yeah, man, love those kind of things. Absolutely those. Mo Salah, it's, uh, it's you know, it doesn't, I, by no he's he has gone on to Liverpool and even Chelsea fans would be like it's like he'd never even played here I mean when I think of Mo Salah it truly is like it just Liverpool automatically comes to my mind even though he played at Fiorentina and Roma he is man so damn good when he went on that run and when you guys lost lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League final I, that was the year I was like holy shit this guy like everybody else and it, you know that was the one that everybody was like He's not going to be able to do it again. And ever since then, he's just been nothing but consistent. And you're right. He was not great for a, a decent part of the year last year, but he's still, when you need him, he's there. And he's he's so damn good. Oh, with if, if you know, with Salah there right now, you guys have Diaz, you guys have Jota, you got Nunez. How is How are we feeling about this full Liverpool attack here if we're going into next year? Yeah, I love it. I mean, and, and, you know, you make the comments, you know, we have Jota and Diaz and, and Nunez I on and Salah, right? I think you honestly might be leaving out yeah. the guy who was the best attacker last season, which was Gakpo from January yeah. onwards. Yep. And, you know, we talk about Bobby Firmino. Um, first of all, we talk about Bobby Firmino as a deity because he is yeah. like the word unicorn is used too frequently in sports. Until you talk about a guy like Bobby Firmino, who like crosses the line of quality talent, makes everyone better. And yet nobody knows why it is. And then you realize it, right? He didn't get goals. He didn't get assists. He just made everything good happen. That happened for Mo and Mane by creating space. Somehow this kid shows up in January and by February was keeping a healthy Bobby Firmino out of the side because he was that good playing through the middle when we all bought him saying, Oh great. We have left cover and to help mm-hmm. Diaz not have to play all year. Um, I really think Gakbo plays a huge role this upcoming season. I think when you have a poacher like Jota that just scores big goals and big moments, just fills in a role. He gives you that option. He can play across the whole front line. And again, Diaz two years ago was our best player. If we don't buy Diaz in January, we don't get anywhere near the quadruple. 
he dragged us across the line when our guys got tired and Mane had to move to the middle. So all of this, without talking about the enigma that is, you know, the hurricane in a box or, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, I, I like to refer to Darwin Nunez. He looks like if you let a wild horse out in a shopping mall and just watch <laughs> yeah. what he would do. Yeah. Just bouncing off like the elevator yeah. and the railing yeah. and knocking over little kids, but yeah. then stopping and making sure the kid is okay and letting him yeah. pet him for a second yeah. and then running off. Like the goals <laughs> he scores are beautiful. And I, I, again, think it's easy to call a guy a failure until you realize he had 20 plus goal involvements in his first season in a new country. He doesn't speak the language. 100%, man. 100%. I think he's going to be great. I, 100%, man. I think, again, I, hold my hands up not big on the portuguese league and i wasn't paying attention to anything going yep. on over there when he came in you could just tell man i want again a lot of friends are liverpool fans so i'm watching a lot of these games and i'm like he's not at the beginning he's, like, he's not coming off very well but you watch the way this guy plays and you see a guy who's very good like a very good player and if he starts bagging these goals that'll get rid of this bust category he should not be in the bust category the guy's a very good player Gakpo, like you're talking about though Phenomenal. I mean, this kid is awesome. Watching this guy play last year was absolutely electric. I love this guy. Jota pisses me off. How is this guy getting goals at like five foot six? He's just all over the place, man. Doesn't stop. I, this such a good attack you guys got going into next year, man. Like you can't can't be upset about that. And you guys are revamping the midfield. Defense is looking good. How how is the outlook going into next season with this this team? And how again we talked about a little while ago that maybe you might have to go find another midfielder. Is that Latvia? from Southampton is that what you're looking at yeah I, I think it is I think the fear there is is I think Lavia would have been perfect if you were keeping Fab for one more year yeah and he could yeah. learn under him and play a little bit I think paying 55 million for a guy who's made 29 professional starts at the top at the senior level and you're bringing off of a relegation team he's coming into a side who's supposed to fight for honors if not at least top four keep it competitive I think that asks a lot of them so for me personally, I feel like the Fabinho move changes this a little. I think it's two midfielders we need. Yeah. Um, and I think we almost need to buy one. Like I would be happy with buying like a lesser, more known Premier League holding midfielder to come in and be the starter and then buy Lavia as like my one A to let him kind of play some cup matches, play in the Europa League, and then work his way into the side. The one thing you know about Liverpool and Klopp, he is going to go for everything he has a chance to win. So I'm excited for this upcoming season because in the past we haven't rotated enough, in my opinion. And I think we have to rotate, especially with the Thursday, Sunday fixtures. Yep. And I'm actually excited because I think we're going to see a lot from the younger players, a lot from the fringe players and not even the fringe players we think about. I think there's some youth kids that are about to make their move into the first team as well. But I still think there's probably two midfielders need to come in now. Anybody you want? Fabinho leaves. Anybody you want in particular that around the league? You talk about this a lesser known Premier League guy. Anybody that you got your eye on? You know, it's funny you say that. I made a comment earlier today in a little chat group we have. I got ridiculed for it. I thought a guy like uh, like Emil Hoiber from Spurs would be like the right type of signing because you don't have to give him a lot of money, but he stays for a year or two. He was Spurs' best player last season. That's a decent shot. In shout. my opinion. I mean, other than Harry Kane, of course. Yeah, right? yeah, of course. yeah, yeah. Atletico Madrid is trying to get him right now because yeah. he is a quality player who can defend. He can put his foot in on a tackle. Now, I don't know that Spurs would sell us a player of that type at this point. So, like, it's that type of player for me. You know, if Calvin Phillips was still at Leeds playing like he was, he would have been a perfect type of player. Mm -hmm. But he went to City, hasn't played in a year, so I don't think you can. 
personally for me, it's Ryan Gravenberch at Byron. at Byron. If you could get him because he can play on a double pivot with Trent or in the six by himself, those would be like the guys I'd be looking for. I think at the end of the day, we're going to end up with Lavia um, and probably just Lavia. And it's going to be a lot of pressure on the kid. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if Henderson actually gets his move. And I think that might play a big role in it too. Cause if Henderson's kind of your starter, then maybe you can have Lavia be the understudy that earns the job eventually. Um, and you could drop McAllister back there too. If you have to, he's played deep in the past. Mm-hmm. They have some options, but it's, it is a little nerve wracking. I'm not going to lie. Knowing fabs on his way out might be yeah. gone by the time this pod ends. For sure. Yeah, 100 percent I mean that that one's that one's heavy links right now. Jordan Henderson, we're not hundred percent sure about. Latvia, love I, I love this kid, man. I think he could be very good. That Southampton team was shit, but he was a decent player, man. Again, he's 18 yep. years old. I'm not gonna destroy this kid's confidence by you know any mistakes that he made. But you you saw the way that he was confident carrying the ball out. I was a big fan of this guy. Would absolutely love if Chelsea signed him, but I, I can't imagine we do that. I think that's a good shout. The Hoy Bear one. That's solid. I actually really do like that. That's a very decent shot. Don't know if Tottenham's going to sell to you, but that's a very good shot there for Hoybier. I really, again, man, you, you brought up a minute ago that they, you've got a couple young guys that could be coming in. Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott. How, how do we think they play a, a bigger role? Are you a big Curtis Jones guy? Liverpool fans, Curtis Jones guys? All right. So this is the perfect question, right? right. Is Galley a, a big Curtis Jones guy? Hmm. On July 16, 2023, Galley is a big, big Curtis Jones guy. <laughs> also big on talking in the third person, clearly, on July 16, 2023. <laughs> but um, he was not a big Curtis Jones guy at any moment, probably prior to the last four matches of the season. Even though the guy had given us six amazing matches, I was still telling people to bump their brakes. I spent all last summer saying, if Crystal Palace will give me $25 million for oh, yeah. right now, take it. We yeah. need money. We need to buy players. He's not the right quality. He yeah. had regressed. And I feel like, you know, Paul Bickler from the podcast and I, we always joke, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to Curtis Jones was hitting that game-winning curler against Everton in the FA Cup at Anfield because from that moment on, he just tried to recreate it every moment he was on the pitch to the point where he turned the ball over in bad spots. His decision-making towards the end of last season looked like a kid who both figured out how to play at this level and figured out physically how to stay fit at this level Mm -hmm. and he got 10 run he got a 10 start run of games 10 out of 11 premier league matches and i'd argue there hasn't been a moment of nabi keita tiago's or or to some level even what wijnaldum since back to his high 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 years had any midfielder ever had a run of that good of 10 consecutive matches so for a 22 year old scouser to do that in our team is huge for him to go to the euros and play for England and play as well as he did. I mean, you could argue he was one of the five best players in that tournament and he did nothing except for have a ball, you know, on statistically had nothing but have a ball kicked off his back that he scored on. Um, and no one is more deserving of a shit ass winner like that than a guy who plays <laughs> yeah. as well as he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I yeah. thought he was absolutely critical for England hmm. on your other question. I have serious concerns about Harvey Elliott, not the talent. I have serious concerns about how Harvey Elliott fits into this side. More importantly, how he fits into the new tactical formations. So I don't think he's fast enough to be cover for Mo on the wing. And I don't know that he's big or strong enough to play on the right-hand side of a midfield, especially if Trent's job is now tucking into midfield and he needs to do more defensive work. 
So Harvey is really, really difficult, except for when you watch him on the pitch, because then you just see this like wonderful footballer. Uh, it's like the Fabio Carvalho thing. We sent him out on yeah. loan because we honestly were like, we bought too good a player to sit on the bench, yep. but he doesn't have a role next year. Not mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So I'm a little worried about Harvey that he might end up just being a player that came too early with too much promise and ends up finding his way somewhere else. But he also kind of is one of those rare England players that actually looks like he'd be better suited if he played in Spain. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. When I watch Harvey Elliott, man, it's it, you. Do, do, there's there's no question. There's talent there with this team, though. You can't you can't loan him out, though. I mean, I feel like he's been how long? He's back. I feel like he's been there for so long now. I mean, you got four gotta, years. He's yeah, gotta man. Stay. He yeah. went on his big loan. He had a great year. He came back. He, I mean, you could argue two years ago before the big ankle injury. It looked like he was going to be the one to supersede Henderson and push him out yeah. of the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a gruesome injury, and the kid came back. So you got to give him all the credit in the world. I just, you know, it's going to be interesting. We got two more years of Klopp after this season. Um, sad to even say that out loud on a podcast. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's two more years of big hugs, and I hope they yeah. find a role for him. He gets stronger every year. If you ask me which one has a big impact this year, it has to be Curtis Jones. He's our fourth yeah. midfielder, in my opinion, if not a starter. So I think he fights and pushes. Uh, and if he keeps improving, man, are we saving ourselves some money? Yeah. It would cost you seventy-five, a hundred million to buy an Englishman who can play like that. You ain't and hopefully kidding. United figures out that Mason Mount can't anymore. Exactly. And I was a guy who wanted Mount all year, but I don't want anything good to happen to United. So. You're damn that. right. Yeah, damn right. I hope I hope that doesn't work out at all. And I could sit back and laugh at that one. So uh yeah, it's what who else you got coming up? Any young kids for Liverpool? We talked about Harvey Elliott, talked about Curtis Jones. Anybody else we got? So there's a couple big ones. Um Kyde Gordon um was a guy they bought a few years ago from Derby. He came on, scored a goal as a 16-year-old in a cup match, was really, really great, and then got a really bad injury and then missed some more time. Supposedly he's hundred percent healthy, and they think that he might be in the first team side this year. And the other one is uh, the 16- or 17-year-old Scottish international, Ben Doak, they signed last year. He played really well. He literally has pace to like for days. Like mm-hmm. He can outrun Mo Salah down the flank. Like wow. So there's a, there's a world where this year Mo Salah actually gets some substitute appearances and actually <laughs> gets to rest his goddamn legs. Yeah. And you go all match long where some left back in the Europa League from Vidicias of Vidicias, and he's got to line up against Salah for 60 minutes, and then he gets a 17-year-old yeah. who's literally ready to just hammer it at him and is faster, quicker, and maybe even has a bigger first touch. Um, so it's, it's, it's a scary world if that kid reaches his potential, but they're so young. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there's a youngster that's ready to like make the big step forward. Maybe Connor Bradley looks mm-hmm. like he might win himself a, a, a backup job. Um, really need a left back or a left sided defender to kind of really add some strength there. I don't think Simicast works and I don't think he works in the new formation because you ask your defender to actually defend. Now it's not going forward and having great crosses. Yeah. Um, you know, Robertson actually looked less, comfortable once Trent moved into his role last year as an inverted midfielder. So I almost feel like that's an area where I'd love to see him strengthen or find like a gem in the, in the Academy, but I don't know if the kids there, mm. it's probably a holding pattern year for the Academy. 
I love Robertson, by the way. I think that's one of the most underrated players in the league. For some reason, nobody talks about this guy. He seems like one that just never gets tired. You guys, and you probably get to sit there because you're a Liverpool fan and be like, nobody talks about Liverpool. You're probably spot on. But I think nobody, nobody talks about Andy Robertson. He is so damn good. This guy constantly is running. I, no matter, every time, if, you, if, you're, if you're not a Liverpool fan, you listen to this. When you, next time you watch Liverpool and Andy Robertson's plan, just make sure, count how many times this guy is on the offensive end and then back on the defensive end almost immediately. And it's the entire game. This guy is so, so, so damn good. The uh, What's up with him and that ref? You pissed off that that ref didn't get uh, banned for life after uh, putting hands on Andy Robertson? You know, I, I was a mixed bag on that, to be honest with you, Michael. Um, I did think it was a little bit of like handbags and hand grenades, as people will say. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, at the same time, how does a guy not get a suspended for yeah. clearly elbowing a player in the face? If, yeah. if, but then again, right, you know, players have seen red cards for what Bruno Fernandez did to that referee when he grabbed his shoulder oh, and yeah. it was a woman I yeah. mean, to grab a female referee and push her back and not get anything for it. Um, we've seen these things, right? Like yep. there's some star treatment. There's also some protecting of the shield, you know, to steal a line from, you know, the National Football League, as people yep. like to say. And yep. I think that was the Premier League just protecting its own you know, wanting, there was enough talk last year about the officiating in England, arguably the best league in the world, arguably with the most money spent, arguably with the worst set of officials on match day and the worst set of VAR officials and, you know, stewards. It, it, it's unbelievable that a league who gets so much right from a marketing and output standpoint gets so much wrong on the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see where that all goes as well. I couldn't. I couldn't agree with all of that more, man. Seriously, the uh, the, that whole elbow to the the, the face thing. I, I like kind of that stuff. I gotta be honest with you. I imagine Andy Robertson was giving him a mouthful the whole game. So oh. like, yeah. I mean, we're people at the end of the day. I, I enjoy kind of you know all that that whole stuff there. But you're spot on. I mean, Bruno Fernandez. How many times we watched this could easily turn into a Manchester United bashing podcast easily. But how many times oh, we've seen Bruno? I mean, Fern- that's, yeah, that's. I, I'm pretty sure every podcast turns into a Manchester <laughs> United bashing, Probably. and that's even when you consider. The Manchester United podcast. Exactly. Well, they have to watch that train wreck week in and week out. Oh, yeah, you ain't kidding. And that's one that might actually turn into a train wreck this year. And I'm signed me all for it. Row, front row tickets, baby. <laughs> how, how after after everything we've talked about here, we've got finally coming into the new season, playing Chelsea first through from that moment to the very end of the season. What what do we what do we think success is? How how many cup competitions are we looking at? Realistically, you think Liverpool should be prioritizing what is genuine is, is top four back genuine success for Liverpool or are you thinking have to be title no I, I I think top four top four has to be considered a successful season when you spent the entire last campaign outside of it and mm-hmm. you were just trying to run it down at the end by going perfect again right like yeah and and they almost did it they weren't far yeah. off of yeah. it they were a yeah. draw or two and one bad result away for Newcastle from them yep. being right in the first and back in the top four <clears throat> um for me, it's got to be back in the top four because you need to continue to buy players at the championship level, Champions League level as you are moving forward. Two, I think you want to compete in a cup competition, but I think the most important thing is actually competing in Europe. And I will not be shocked at all if Liverpool actually prioritizes Europa and actually goes for it to win it. Because that second half of the Europa League is a really, really good competition. Because you get the teams that parachute down from the Champions League. 
So you're upping your competition levels. Um, you have a deeper squad, and I think you play your youth kids that let you know what you have mm-hmm. in those. I mean, let's be honest. If sure. Liverpool doesn't get out of the group stage of the Europa League, they didn't try to, or they went all, you know, 100%. good old Tottenham Hotspur where they send out the youth team on Thursday <laughs> to right. literally get knocked out in, right. the, in the qualifying league. That's right. And, you know, Ari Redknapp would be like, well, what do you want me to do? Exactly. We're supposed to try to win on Sunday. <laughs> like, exactly. And, and yeah. I don't think Liverpool will ever do that. I think yeah. they're going to go for it, rotate, play guys. And I, I think you have to. In a perfect world, you're competing for the title again next year. I mean, you competed for it for the last five years in the Premier League. You should get back at it. I don't know they're there because I think City's just too good, honestly. I think City's taking a step forward. So for me, I'd be focusing on fourth or better. I'd be focusing on running down Arsenal more than anything because I think the number one thing everyone in England should be doing is striving to be number two Yep, and figuring out how to win. How do you feel Arsenal's going to do this year? I feel Arsenal's going to take a step back. I think they're going to have a lot of pressure with with playing in the Champions League. I also think that they hit lightning in a bottle last year, and if you look at how poorly they played from February onwards, um, and I, I, you'll learn if you listen to our podcast enough, Michael, I love a victory lap, and I will take one at every moment. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was talking about Arsenal bottling and saying City would walk the league mm-hmm. in January when Arsenal was 11 points up. I called City would win by 10, and if City hadn't qualified, clinched it with two weeks to go because arsenal wasn't such dogs in the month mm-hmm. of april city would have had to play those last two matches wouldn't have dropped five points and they would 100%. have won that league by 11 points 100 so like Take to it. me city's at a different level i yeah. think arsenal is kind of a fraud team they started out house of cards and, and on fire i think next year they have a lot more pressure and i also think it's harder once you have to rotate these players in i do think they've made some shrewd signings this summer so for me I think the league is City, huge gap, and then it's United, Liverpool, Arsenal, and then I think it's another huge gap. Or I'll throw Newcastle in there, but I think they're going to struggle a little bit with the, the uh, responsibilities of playing in Champions League. You know, now Eddie Howe really has to rotate that team, though I think he's done an amazing job, uh, and they should be very lucky that he's their manager. For sure. You know, it. I'll throw Newcastle in. So it's United. Liverpool, Newcastle fighting for those next three spots. And then I do think there is a group of like the Spurs, Brighton. And I think your club is just an enigma until you can show that they're building a team. You hired the right coach to hire a bunch of 22 year olds. Yeah. Um, yeah. The problem is you guys have spent your entire club's career saying we're not Tottenham. And then you basically took the Tottenham buying model and hired Uh, a Tottenham manager to basically become Tottenham. Trust me, hate it, absolutely hate it, hate it. I think I think it is the right manager, but it's, uh, man, you ain't kidding. We, uh, you know, fuck that team, and we took their exact model on how to uh, how to win. So, and they've not won. So, I, mean, I don't know. We'll well, that was where I was going to go next, yeah. but I wanted you to get there first. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's it, you know, it's interesting. You, you brought up Newcastle there. I know, I know this is this is mainly in Liverpool talk, but here, but on Newcastle, I don't feel I, I'm I'm right there with you on Arsenal. By the way, I think Arsenal are going to take a step back. I think City are just unless City just truly pack it in and say let's just go for a second back-to-back Champions League win which I don't imagine I just they're still going to go league and they're going to prioritize prep Pep's going to prioritize I think Arsenal lightning in a bottle if they win it I will oh man I will absolutely hate that the the Newcastle though I you feel good about Newcastle next year I think they got a uh there's a lot on your plate when you're playing uh you know Tuesdays and Wednesday nights as well so 
It I think is. That's a lot. They come in tough, tough start to the season, like really tough fixtures to start. So if they don't get off to a good run, uh, I think there could be some pressure there. And then you go into the Champions League fixtures, which are going to be so important because let's be honest, they need as much money as they have. They need to be able to supplement it and show like actual progression forward if they're going to keep buying these players. I mean, I thought the Tenali signing could go down as the signing of the year in the Premier League long term because I think they signed literally Italy's best player under sure. the age of 25 years old, yep. and they stole him. I mean, they stole him when no one else knew he was really available or 100%. everyone would have been in for him. I still look at that team and say, like, you're relying a little bit too much at the back on unproven talent. As good as Trippier was, and he's a fantasy asset, that doesn't mean that he's great in real life when you put him up against top, top-level talent. And the midfield still needs tweaking uh, around Gamerish and some of the other players. So I still think they're a year away from like the next big step, but let's not kid ourselves. If they could find a way to get into the top four again, put all that champions league money back into the coffers, these guys are going to spend, like I've said to everyone, anyone who thinks that this Newcastle team is not going to hoist a premier league trophy in the next decade, yep. they're crazy. Cause the money crazy. is there. Mm-hmm. The stadium is there. Yep. They have the infrastructure and they have the supporters and Oil money aside, those supporters deserve something good to happen for sure. them. For sure. Um, as long as it's not at the uh, hands of my club winning the yeah. title. Yeah. <laughs> good for you. Good on you. As long as it's not that team from Manchester in red or blue, yep. we're all good. Man, I'm 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 right there with you. I I could add Tottenham to that one, but Tottenham don't win shit, so I, I'll go with that's the a good point. Than, yeah, exactly. The Newcastle thing is really funny, man. You brought up Tenali there. I really I really fucking rate this kid. He looks like he does not want to be in Newcastle at all. He looks miserable. He looks like he never wanted to leave Milan. It'll be an interesting one next year for Newcastle. Gally, I enjoyed this, man. I enjoyed this. Before I let you go out of here, man, let me hear it. Liverpool predictions for next season. Early on, early days. I know we got a couple more weeks left. What are you thinking? Where are you going to finish? Are you going to win a trophy next year at all? Or is this kind of a revamp year from a weird year last year? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that we rebound and finish second or third. I'm not going to be boisterous and say, we guarantee ourselves back into second or hoist ourselves up. I think we finished second or third. We're probably still in a dogfight come April and May to get into the champions league places. Cause I do think there'll be five or six teams vying for those last three spots. Um, I'll say we finished second or third. I think we're going to play kids in the cup competitions with the Tuesday, Thursday, and I could see us handling them the way Klopp did at the beginning, which is really treating them like training matches and not even caring if we're out of both by December or January. Um, But I will say we win a trophy and we are playing in Dublin and I'll be there because I'm a drunk Irishman (laughs) and we will be there in Dublin playing for the Europa league title. And we will bring home the Europa League title. Um, and we'll take back that English dominance on these European titles that are happening right now. I absolutely um, love that. That's love where that. I'm going with it. I, I'm going to say Klopp says, it's the only trophy I haven't won here. I might as well go win it. <laughs> I've got Liverpool finished in second. I think uh, early days, obviously, we will see what more signings across the league. I've got Liverpool finished in second. I got Arsenal taking a step back. I got Newcastle taking a step back. Chelsea's not in my top four, but I got Newcastle. I mean, I'm sorry, I got Liverpool finished in second. I think there is a big gap between City. If uh, if you guys win at the end of the year that, that uh, European title, I'll have you back on. You can do your victory lap, man. We'll have a good time and have a good laugh about it, man. Beautiful. I love I, man, it. I appreciate you coming on, man. This was absolutely awesome. You can go find uh, Galley and Timuchin. Did I pronounce that right, right? 
Yep, Timuchin and Bickler. The three of us do the Monday Night Podcast, uh, American Scouser. We're we're on YouTube. We got a Facebook group. We have about 40,000 followers on Facebook. Uh, we've grown the pod. And really, if you could, check us out on YouTube. That's the biggest growing piece. We're going to do Premier League shows this year. Lots of great stuff. I just want to thank you, Michael. Um, the United States of Soccer Studio, you know, the whole process that you guys do, this was great. Uh, we really appreciate having us on and we'd love to you know repay the favor and get you guys on with us as well at some time soon in the different areas and keep collaborating because this was a lot of fun oh man that's awesome man i do appreciate that the uh when i was figuring out who i wanted to get on this was like middle of may middle of june ish maybe around there uh i I stumbled i was looking up liverpool shows i found this one this one just stuck man i i really enjoy the show i really enjoy that monday night show you guys do on youtube it's a lot of fun man go check these guys out man these guys are awesome galley i appreciate you man i'll definitely like i said i'll have you back on when uh liverpool win that europa league title dude can't wait